miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He puts the song in my soul today. A song of praise, hallelujah. I'll tell of the pit with its gloom and despair. I'll praise the dear Father who answered my prayer. I'll sing my new song, the glad story of love. Then join in the chorus with the saints above. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He puts a song in my soul today. A song of praise, hallelujah. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He puts a song in my soul today. A song of praise, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You are my Savior. Thank you for this great salvation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for taking me out of that miry clay setting my feet on a rock. Oh, hallelujah, the rock of salvation. Thank you, Jesus, your word, my foundation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We will sing and shout the victory while we walk the pilgrim pathway. Clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sigh. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we 
will sing at shouts the victory. Let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day. Just one glimpse of Him in glory will the toils of life repay when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We will sing and shout the victory. Onward to the prize before us, soon his beauty will behold. Soon the pearly gates will open, we shall tread the streets of gold. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus, we will sing and shout the victory when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We will sing and shout the victory. Hallelujah. Can we go ahead and get shout for victory now? Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Father, we love you, Jesus. Lord, we honor you, Jesus. We praise your name, Lord Jesus. We magnify you, God. We glorify you, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we thank you. Father, we thank you today for life, oh God. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for your joy. Oh God, we thank you for your loving kindness and your tender mercy today. Lord, we honor you and we praise you. Let's go ahead and worship him. Let's go ahead and worship him with the fruit of our lips. God, giving praise unto his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need you, God. We need you, God. We need you to have your way. We need you, God. We need you to lift us up. We need you to speak to us, oh God. We need to hear from you today, Lord Jesus. Our lives, oh God, are enthralled that you are here among us today. Show yourself mighty today, Lord Jesus. Show yourself, oh God. Lord, manifest your glory in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Jesus. We honor you, Father. We praise you, Father. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 If the Bible says that it's in Him that we live and move and have our being, 
If every breath that's in us comes from Him, if every beat of our heart is because He has allowed it to be so, then we need to be able to give back everything He's given to us. It's not ours. It belongs to Him. We belong to Him. The Bible says that every soul is His. Amen. And so we just need to just magnify the Lord. Can we do that again? Can we just lift Him up, magnify and glorify His name? Tell Him how much you love Him. Tell Him how much you're so thankful for Him. Thank Him for every trial. Thank Him for every test. Thank Him for every blessing. Sometimes the trial and the test is a blessing in our life. Oh God, we thank You for each one that's here today. We thank You for the beautiful weather today. We thank You for the people of God today. We thank You for what You're doing around the world today. We thank You, Lord Jesus, for Your will that's being accomplished in the earth today. We thank You for the Holy Ghost. We thank You for Your blood. We thank You for Your name. We thank You, Lord Jesus, us for the wonderful gift of water baptism in your name. We thank you, O oh God, for making us to be your bride and your sons, O oh God, and daughters. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh God, we thank you for giving us breath and life and a voice to give you praise. We thank you today. Thank you, Jesus. We thank You for the good times, Lord. We thank You for the bad times. We thank You for the difficult times. Amen. Paul had to thank Him for that thorn in the flesh. Because the Lord told Paul, you need that. Amen. So we think of the word blessing, we think of all good things. Finances and health and all that. But sometimes the blessing can be something we don't want. But it's there in our life because we need it. Because... The Lord knew that he was getting ready to give Paul some revelation. That's why he said, I gave you this. Because of the amount of revelation you're going to receive, if I don't give you this, you're going to get lifted up in your own self. So, Paul, I'm leaving this in your life. Amen. I don't want to ever want to pray something out of my life that the Lord has put there for my good. Amen? Yeah, but it doesn't feel like it's for my good. Because in my flesh, it hurts. Because it was a thorn in the flesh. Amen. God, this is my prayer. Whatever it takes to keep me saved. If there's got to be something in my life, please, I would rather have it than not. Because I don't want to be lost. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. I'll give you a few minutes to get there. Amen. Galatians chapter 6. If you see somebody that doesn't know where Galatians chapter 6 is, help them out. Show them. The first time I opened the Bible and they said a scripture, I was like, oh Lord, where is this? I knew where Proverbs was. That was about it. Somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anybody ever been there? You didn't know any of the songs they were singing. You didn't know where the scriptures were. You just tried to fake it till you could make it. Right? So there's nothing wrong with helping each other. Amen. Help us. We ought to all get there. Amen. Praise God. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. Brethren. Everybody say brethren. 
Everybody say, that's me. If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. Notice it says the right there, not a. It's not a spirit of meekness. It's the spirit of meekness. And you see the word the. He's the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. He's the king, immortal, eternal, and invisible. That means he's the definite article. He's the only one. Just saying. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Father, I thank you today for your people. I thank you for your word that's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, that it's able to divide asunder the soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Lord, have your way in this place today in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. You can be seated. First picture. We're going to be talking about restoration. Restoration. Anybody tell what that is? That's an old boat. Looks like that one John F. Kennedy was riding around in up there and wherever it was he was riding around at with his family. So that boat, that's a picture of a boat that's in a shop. That's, that boat's being restored. Anybody ever done any restoration around here? Some sort or another? Sure. Next picture. Anybody know what that is? What year? Nah, it's older, older than 69. 65 or 6, right? And if you look, if you can see real close, there's a Corvette right behind it. About a 69 or 70 Corvette. There's a couple of old trucks. There's a bug back there in the back. And it looks like there's a Chevy 2 Nova station wagon. Isn't that cool? So why was that pick? I, I just pulled this off the internet. Somebody found a, anybody ever heard of finding a barn find? So there's cars like that all over the country. Just sitting out in fields. Weeds growing up around them. Like, my goodness, somebody should be driving that thing, Brother Terry. That's a good restoration project right there. There's a guy in Sparta that's selling a 65 T-Bird. 3000 bucks. 3000 needs a lot of work, but it's it's there. It's drivable. Sign says it's drivable, but it needs a lot of work. It needs restoration, right? Next picture. You like that one, brother Terry? What is that? A B what? B twenty nine, twenty four. See, I wouldn't have known that. Somebody's restoring a B twenty four, right? Isn't that cool? That would. I mean, I like cars, but that'd be cool to work on something like that, wouldn't it? Next picture. There's the table before. Yeah, beautiful table. Anybody ever restored any furniture? That's pretty ugly looking right there. They probably gave 50 cents for that at a junkyard. I mean, at a yard sale or something, right? And the person selling it didn't realize what they had, and the person that bought it said they could see more than what was there. And look at that. Isn't that beautiful? What do you call that kind of, those kind of, like a dado or something? 
Dove, dove cut, yeah. Isn't that beautiful? Next picture. You know you're sitting in a restored building right now? Anybody, how many people know that? Did you know that this building almost went to the city and they almost put a sign on it that said demolish it? Am I right, Brother Terry? They were going to stick a sign on the door that said get rid of it. Somebody saw this for more than what it was at the time. You're sitting in a fully restored building that was just a piece of junk. Am I right? Some, some people in this room are a part of that. Aren't you glad that somebody saw, saw this for more than just a building to tear down? Isn't that awesome? That's what these guys are doing. They're restoring. They're, over where I work at the VA, they're restoring all kinds of buildings. One, one I work in there is 130-something years old. They're, they're going to do some work on it and restore it, to take it back to original, get the paint off the brick. and It's going to be beautiful when they're done. And that building belongs to the Indian tribes that were there at the time, and so they have a say in that. So they're happy that, that what we're doing is going to make it look like the original building when it was first built. Right? Next sign, next uh, picture. What's that? Crowd of people, right? And can you tell? Can you all pick out how that the ones you can see is anybody in that picture that needs restoration? Can you tell in, by looking at it? Is there anybody in there that's alcoholic, or or on drugs, or has a horrible family life, or they've been offended, they've been molested? Something's happened in their life. You, you couldn't pick them out of a crowd if you wanted to. You couldn't. There's successful people in this world today that wear a suit and tie to work every day, and they're CEOs of companies or pastors of churches that have stuff in their past that's still there from when they were a little kid, and they've never addressed that. They need restoration. Does this building look anything like it did when you first started working on it, Brother Terry? Not at all. But it had an original foundation, an original structure, right? Everything, we just kind of fixed it all up, right? And uh, it's like those you've got those cars in your garage, and i got that one in my garage, and I just put a whole new front end on it. But it's not original, is it? If I replaced one original part, it's not original anymore. It's, it's going to function. It's going to run. It's going to roll down the road. But it's not original anymore. It's been restored. So it's, that car is fixing to be 60 years old next year. You can't get original parts for it anymore. Even if I got one off of another 64 Impala, it's not the original part for that car. It doesn't have the original tires on it. No way it could. <laughs> it wouldn't be safe to drive, would it? 60-year-old tires on a car. So it stopped being original the minute you put different tires on it. Now, you, the person that owned it in 1968 wasn't thinking they were restoring a car. They were just putting another set of tires on their car. But 60 years later, it's an antique. It needs some restoration. 
Some people raise their hands about furniture. Some people raise their hands about cars and boats and all kinds of stuff, airplanes and whatnot. Everything out there that has to have restoration is nothing like it was when you started. It might look like the original table, but it didn't have the same lacquer on it from when it was first made. It's got a different, different, more modern. You can't even get certain kinds of paint for cars anymore like they did. What did they call it? Lacquer? Now you can't get that anymore. They don't make it. So why am I saying all of this? We're going to talk about restoration. That first word that I had you all say out loud, brethren. The Apostle Paul, through the Holy Ghost, is writing to the church at Galatia. And he's writing to every church, not just the church in Galatia, because those letters made their way around the region. Everybody got to read the letters, just like we do today. Well, we just have it in one book. <clears throat> but Paul was talking to the church. That's why he said, and that's why the Holy Ghost said, brethren. Who's brethren? If that's us. Are those people out there brethren? Ask God if they are. Does God see them as saved already? He saw me as saved before I found this because he knows the end from the beginning. He had a vision for where I would be if I would just listen to him. So for me, in my mind, those people out there are my brethren. They're my sisters. They just don't know it yet. They just haven't found this building yet. They just haven't found Jesus yet. But that's my brother out there. That's my sister out there that's strung out on heroin. And they just need Jesus, just like I did one day. I wasn't ever strung out on heroin, but I was messed up in some other stuff, and I needed Jesus one day. And I thank God that somebody didn't just shove me to the side and say, Sorry, you're not one of us. Thank God, right? The general family of God, the church, the body of Christ. Let's, let's bring it into the house, okay? We are the body of Christ. We belong to Him, right? We're the, the head, Jesus Christ, tells the body what to do. And He gave us a mission, didn't He? I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but He gave us a great commission. He expects the body on the earth to do His work on the earth. We are His hands. We are His feet. We are His voice. We're in the same family, folks. <laughs> Sometimes, some people in your family, it's just like, if it wasn't for the fact that they were family, need I say more? <laughs> I got one sister that even to this day, my mom says, well, you know your sister. Don't say anything to her. And we're all, you know. <laughs> but it's just, you know, you know how it is. You got family. We all have people in our family that we love them in spite of the fact that they're whatever. Okay? I still love my sister. So does my mother. 
Galatians 6 and 1 in the Passion Translation says this, My beloved friends, if you see a believer who is overtaken with a fault, the one who is in the Spirit should seek to restore him in the spirit of gentleness. But keep watch over your own heart so that you won't be tempted to exalt yourself over him. Could we potentially be guilty of doing that? Have you all, anybody in here besides me ever known anybody that was in church that fell away? Whole bunch of them in this city, right? Brother Parker, we've been praying for him when you were here, when Brother Bell was here before that. There's been, like you said, Brother Brother Becker, we've been there have been prayers going up in this city for decades for people not only in this city, but for backsliders. Just because they're not here today doesn't mean they're not coming back. They're coming back. Galatians 6 and 1 in the Amplified Classic says, Brethren, if any person is overtaken in misconduct or sin or any of any sort, you who are spiritual, who are responsive to and controlled by the Spirit, should set him right and restore and reinstate him without any sense of superiority and with all gentleness, keeping an attentive eye on yourself, lest you should be tempted also. Now, why did the Holy Ghost have Paul write that? Lest you should be tempted also. We're going to talk about that. It says, you who are spiritual. And that's referring to anyone, preferably someone who walks after and is submitted to and is led by the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. Not just certain ones who have been deemed spiritual by man's determination. Who determines if we're spiritual or not? The Lord does. I can claim I'm spiritual all I want. But if I ain't acting like the Holy Ghost is telling me to act, I'm just putting a name on myself that's not true. So, I got a question for you. If we are not about restoring those who have been overtaken in a fault... And it says we're supposed to be. If we're not all about that, then it poses a question in my mind. Is that implying that we are not spiritual? Could it? You don't have to answer. Just answer for yourself. That's a question that each one of us has to answer. If we're not in the business of restoration, are we spiritual or are we not? You ever ask yourself hard questions like that? You need to. Am I pleasing to you, God? You need to ask God that. And then wait for an answer. Is what I'm doing pleasing to you, God? Don't just assume that you are. I'd like to make sure I am. Is there something I'm doing, thinking, saying, or whatever that's not pleasing in your sight? Please tell me so I'm not deceived into believing I'm okay. Who wants to be in that place when the the rapture happens and you find out you're not? You thought you were. Although we've established the fact that we are crucified 
with Christ and that we are following in the Spirit and walking in the Spirit's leading, there is a possibility that any one of us could be overtaken in a fall. I didn't say that. The Bible said that. Or a mistake, or a shortcoming, or a sin. What's, what's the definition of sin? Missing the mark. Missing the mark. Hamartano, I think is how it says in the Greek. Hamartolo or Hamartano. Anybody ever miss the mark? Day by day, folks. Anybody ever made a mistake? <laughs> if you if you if you say you haven't made a mistake, I'm backing up. <laughs> we all make mistakes. We all mess up, don't we? If we're honest with ourselves, we all mess up. We make mistakes. We think wrong things and we catch ourselves and go, God, I'm sorry. For, for even thinking that about a soul that is precious in your sight, that a, as a creation of yours, God, I'm sorry for even thinking that. Forgive me, God. I do that. Because I find myself too quickly making a judgment call before I've given myself a chance to just think about it first before I open my mouth in my mind. You can say it in your mind. You know, God reads your mind. He knows your thoughts. That's what the book says. He knew their thoughts. <laughs> he answered their questions they were asking themselves in their mind, and they were like, how did he know that? <laughs> it was for me in the New Testament. It would have been at that point that I would have said to myself, you know, maybe he is God. He keeps saying he is, and he keeps knowing our thoughts, but hello, let's put two and two together here. There are many things in life like offenses. Anybody ever been offended? Anybody ever been offended? Oh, yeah. The whole building should be shouting. Anybody ever been offended more than once? Are you going to be offended again? That's, that's totally up to you, isn't it? Because guess what? You choose to be offended. Hello? <laughs> you could call me the worst name in the world and I have to decide if I'm going to let you determine my value or not and let you offend me by those words. And in my mind, you don't, you don't have permission for me to determine my value. So no, I don't receive that offense. You can say it all you want. It doesn't always work every time. <laughs> Most of the time it does. Because sometimes people just do things and say things and it just gets under your last nerve. And you just want to go off. Give them a little wall-to-wall counseling. <laughs> if you don't understand what that means, ask Brother Becker. <laughs> uh, it works. Trust me, it works. Offenses. Can an offense cause you to fall away from God? There's a whole ton of people out there that are out of church today because the preacher said something or somebody in the church said something to them and they got mad and got offended and that was their, that was their opportunity to leave. 
I got a family member like that. To this day, won't step foot in a UPC or, or oneness church because of something somebody said. Won't even talk to me about it. I can't, you know, I can't get mad at the person that said it. Why is that? Because they've probably repented of that. And they've moved on. And he shouldn't be carrying that around as an unforgiveness and an offense in his life, but I can't tell him how to live his life. So, well, all I can do is pray at that point. Try my best to love him and restore him. But he's in God's hands. As we live each day, as we continue to walk in our God-given, carnal, fleshly, human nature, we will still be susceptible to missing the mark. Every day. There's not going to come a day that you're not going to, in some way, form, or fashion, miss the mark as you go through your day. Why? Because you're human. You have this fleshly nature. King David himself said, I was born in sin, and I was shaped in iniquity. And if that was true about David, it's true about everyone in this building. Every individual on this earth, as a matter of fact. But thank God we found a place. Because God wasn't lost. We didn't find Him. He found, And we weren't lost either, but God got a hold of us. He's trying to talk to everybody out there. We just happened to be listening at the time. And we responded the right way. And here we are. Here we sit today. Thank you, Jesus. But I got to do this thing every day. That's why he told us to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily. It's not a one-time deal, folks. Daily. Paul had to deal with his stuff daily. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. One translation says, For all have sinned and are coming short of the glory of God. It's like it's, it's like an active thing, like it's still happening. Can the Holy Ghost say that in the New Testament Scripture and it still be have in effect today? Like, it's, like He just said it yesterday? Yeah. Because it is. The Word of God, is, is, it never changes, right? It's alive. It's, it still works today. It's still powerful today. From the day the Holy Ghost said it to Paul to today. So those of us who are for the moment successful in our walk with God... In following the Holy Ghost and the Spirit, it behooves us and He has put it upon us to exercise ourselves to restore people, to reinstate them. To back into right standing with God. Wouldn't you want, if you were that person, and it could happen to any one of us, wouldn't you want the people of the body of Christ to look past the mistake you made and the, the thing that you did and maybe ask, maybe not ask, what did you do? But maybe even go further and say, why did you do it? Why did that person do what they did? Why did they do it? Did they have something in their past? Some kind of shame in their life from when they were a little kid that they've never addressed. And the Holy Ghost won't make you, 
When you get the Holy Ghost and get baptized in Jesus' name, the Lord won't make you bring that out and lay it on the altar. You have to willingly want to do that. And a lot of people that are, that are living with shame don't want to do that. They don't want to bring it back up. They've suppressed it so long that they just rather keep it down there and just ignore it. But does that continue to be an issue in your life? You bet it, but you bet it does. You bet it does. And so it's up to us who are spiritual to circle around and pick those up. Do you remember remember running in the military? Run platoon runs, company runs, and there would be there was always somebody that just wasn't a very good runner. Right? And what would they do? They would fall out. They just couldn't keep up. And we were barely running anyway, but it's like, how in the world can they not keep up? But there was always one or two that couldn't keep up. So I don't know about you all, but the units that I was in, the first time would be okay. And we would circle all the way back around, all the way back around behind that person and come up right behind them and join them right back in with the group. And the next one to fall out, we did the same thing. All the way around. That was like adding an extra quarter mile sometimes. Why did we do that? Was that just a mess with us? No. They are a part of the unit. You don't leave a soldier behind. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. We do that. Sometimes. We do that. We just leave them back there. Well, they're just fend for themselves. They're on their own now. We just, you know, we kick them to the curb and say, here, find your own way. I was never one of those people that fell out, but I would sit there in the the formation grumbling to myself, come on, come on. But after the first couple of times, I was like, you know, that's pretty cool that they do that. It taught me something about camaraderie, about everybody's in the unit. We stay together as a unit. Don't leave a soldier behind. It was a lesson learned. So restoration will be not something that's instantaneous. That, that car of mine's been up on the jack stand for a year, almost a year and a half. It might get on the road today. I don't know. We'll see. It's close. I ran out of grease. I was greasing all the fittings and ran out of grease. It's like... Ran out of grease. But it's it's a work of love. It's something I'm I'm willing to let it take a long time because I, I know what the end product's gonna be and it's being that table that we looked at didn't just get restored in one day. That airplane that they were working on is not it's not gonna be restored in one day, in a month, in a year. I was at Castle Air Force Base many years ago in California. It's gone now, but they had they were out there restoring a plane like that, and they I asked the guy about it, and he said it's to a point where we, we're trying to find this part and that part and this part and that part that we can't find, and so we're trying to figure out if we can manufacture one to look like it or whatever so that they can finish putting that plane together. So restoration is not going to take a day or a week. It's going to take a while. And it's not going to be pretty. My, I've gotten my hands greasy. I've gotten some cuts on my hands. If you're painting a car and you're sanding it, you're going to get some dust on you. It's not going to be fun. You're going to sweat. You're going to get your clothes dirty. You're going to bonk your head. You're going to 
turn a wrench and, and you're going to hit your knuckle on something. It's going to hurt. You're going to say, Jesus, in Jesus' name. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Some men have been there. <laughs> and knuckle busters, right? But it's going to take time, folks. When those new converts come in here, bringing all their mess and their baggage with them, don't, don't get it in your mind that they're going to be up here preaching next week. That can happen, but rarely it doesn't. That those, those backsliders that are, that are coming back here, I'm speaking it. They're coming back here. They're going to be bringing all kinds of mess with them. They're going to be bringing all kinds of hurts. They're going to be bringing all kinds of offenses. They're going to be bringing all kinds of junk with them. And we can't just ask them in one service to just dump all that on the altar and call it good. It's going to take some restoration. It's going to take some time. going to take some Christ-like love. Everyone was worth the Lord's time and effort when He walked on the earth, weren't they? He took time for everybody. Didn't matter what walk of life they were from. He took time to go in and try to win the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He took time to go in the temple. He took time to try to love them. He took time to love the people like Nicodemus. He took time to love the people like blind Bartimaeus. He took time to love the lady that was caught in the act of adultery. What are we going to do when we're faced with that in real life? When we're faced with some stuff and, and when the Lord picks you to be the one, you can't just say, well, I don't feel like it. Because ultimately He's going to pick somebody to be the one to work with that individual, spend their money, their time, and their effort on that individual. We're all going to do it together, but God's going to ultimately give that project to somebody. And you have to be willing to love them with agape love. The same love that we have for each other in this room. You've got to love them through that. And that Scripture said that we need to do this in, in the Spirit the spirit of meekness. The. Jameson Fawcett and Brown says the spirit of meekness. The meekness which is the gift, or fruit maybe, of the Holy Spirit working in our spirit. It's not something that you muster up in yourself. I'm so meek. Look at me, everybody. No, that's not what it is. It's not humble or meek. Meekness is something you get from serving the Lord, from letting the Spirit lead your life. It's, it's something that you can't manufacture or muster within yourself. Help me, God, to love them like you would love them if you were standing here. Because He loved them unconditionally. He didn't care what their background was. He didn't care about the tax collectors that everybody called wicked and evil. He loved them. Matter of fact, he made one of them one of his disciples. He loved them. Meekness is that temper of spirit 
towards God, whereby we accept his dealings without disputing. Then towards men, whereby we endure meekly their provocations and do not withdraw ourselves from the burdens which their sins impose upon us. That was from the Complete Word Study Bible Dictionary. I didn't make that up. Somebody named Trench wrote that. But it's a very apropos definition of meekness. Isn't it? Amen? Jude, verse 20 through 23 says, But ye, beloved, there he is talking about us again, the church, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Stay in the middle of the love of God. Look, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Aren't you thankful for His mercy today? What is mercy? Mercy is, some, is when you don't get something you deserve. When you deserved a whooping, but your mom said, nope, we're going to pass on this one. Oh, <laughs> Thanks for not telling Dad. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> right? Some of you understand that. Some of you don't. Generational thing. Keep yourselves in the love of God. And it says in verse 22, and, on, and of some have compassion, making a difference. We've got to exercise compassion. We've got to enter into this thing with meekness. And we've got to have the compassion, not something we muster up, but the compassion and the love of Jesus Christ that looked beyond their faults. Thank God He looked beyond my faults and saw their need. Their need was so great, he didn't care what they were in. He didn't care what that woman, he knew she was caught in the act of adultery. And when he asked those, those Pharisees and scribes, oh, he said, okay, whoever was without this sin, right here, you'd be the one, first one to cast a stone. And I looked it up. It's, very, it's the only time that word for sin is used in the New Testament. And it's more specific to the specific sin they were talking about. So any of you guys that haven't been committed, involved in adultery, go ahead and throw the first stone. And what happened? We all know what happened. Or if you don't, I'll tell you. They all left one by one. And then Jesus said to her, where are your accusers? There's some folks that are going to come in this building that are backsliders, and they're going to, they're going to have some accusers in their life, some finger pointers in their life. And we don't need to join the crowd. We don't need to be pointing our fingers too and saying, yeah, you filthy, rotten sinner. Where have you been? We've got to be very careful how we handle what belongs to God's kingdom. Making a difference. We've got to make a difference, folks. And we... We can't do that in and of ourselves. Lord, I need you to help me. I know you gave me this project to do, Lord, but I need you to help me. Help me to know what to say to him. Help me to not open my mouth and say something that I shouldn't say. Just help me to love them, God, so that they can be restored. Is it okay to pray something like that when God gives you a project like that? You, it, you ought to be praying that. And others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire. 
figuratively speaking, pulling them out of the fires of hell. Hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. You don't hate the individual. You don't ever let them feel like there's any hate toward them. Jesus loved them enough to bring them back. No man comes to him, what, except he draws them? So if he's drawing them back here, it behooves us to, to, to rally around them and to love them. And they're going to keep making mistakes when they come back. And that's okay. That's okay. Get back up. It's okay. God still loves you. Get back up. Don't be condemned. Don't, 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 don't let there be any condemnation coming out of this body. Love them. They, did it. they loved me. I already said this, but the question is not what they did, but why did they do it? Why? Why? Why did her husband leave her? Why? Why? Why did her son commit suicide? Why? I don't know. But it's something that's in their spirit. And maybe we need to get a little more detailed and and not get into their business, but maybe ask the Lord, why? What is it that you can help me to say to them that will help them overcome this? Wouldn't you want to be, wouldn't you want that kind of help? Would you want to be the one left out there going, well, I'm sorry, we can't help you. You're on your own. What's the church for? I came back here and look how they're treating me. I don't want it to be said of me that I treated somebody wrong that God was trying to bring back into the kingdom. 1 Peter 4, 8 and 9 says, And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. We're not... When they come back here, we're not here to remind them of all the awful, terrible things they did. But they're working that out. They're feeling conviction. It's our job to love them back into the kingdom. Let God deal with them. Use hospitality to one another without grudging. Even if they left here over something you said or did, forget about it. Let's move forward together. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19 says, And all things that are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Christ Jesus, and hath given to us, by say us, the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, not holding it against them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Well, he used the word of reconciliation a lot in that scripture. <laughs> what does that word mean? Trying to find it here. Lost it. I looked it up in the Greek. Guess what it means? Restoration. It means restoration. Same thing we've been talking about. He has given to us the ministry 
of reconciliation. He reconciled us to Himself. He looked beyond our faults and saw our need and drew us in and convicted us and allowed us to come to an altar and repent. And He allowed us to take on His name in water baptism. And from that time until now, all the mistakes that we've made, He has, out of His mercy and grace, loved us anyway and given us a space to repent. And we've done that. Thank God we're all still here. He has given us the ministry, not a ministry. He's given us the church, the ministry of reconciliation. It's our ministry. If you don't know what your ministry is, I'm telling you right now, if it's nothing else, it's that right there. That is your ministry. Reconciliation. He might have you do other stuff, but I'm reading the way I'm reading that, He saved you. He had mercy and grace upon you. He, he drew you in and reconciled you to Himself. Now it's our job to, to, as His body to reconcile the rest of them. When He sends them in here, we need to be ready to love them. Just love them. I mean, He came in this world, robed Himself in flesh, took a beating like you, nobody's ever seen a beating for us, to the point where he, he wasn't recognizable and he let himself be nailed to a cross by his own people for you. And he did that for them too. It's not us for no more. It's anybody we can get in this building that wants to, that, that God will open their eyes. And let take the blindness off and let them see. Anybody ever, any fathers in the room? Anybody ever watch one of your babies being born? Awesome. It's totally, it's the most awesome thing I ever saw in my life. It brought tears. I mean, I was just weeping. I need to have that same feeling come over me, if I can call it a feeling, when I see a baby standing at this altar repenting, whether they're a backslider or a new convert, it needs to do something to me. And I need to be ready, Lord, what part do I need to play in helping this person get to where they need to be? What small part do I play? We must resist the temptation To even think arrogantly and exaltingly, exalting ourselves over those who fall and fail. To think that something like that would not happen to us. Why do you think Paul had, the Holy Ghost had Paul write that? Consider yourself, lest you find yourself in the same boat. Can I say it that way? You're fooling yourself if you're sitting there saying, that will never happen to me. You're lying to yourself. And the... We all know what deception is, right? What's the worst kind of deception? Self-deception. You don't even know that you're wrong. <laughs> and you believe everything that you, you say to yourself is right. The, the worst kind of deception is self-deception. It's almost like being turned over to a reprobate mind where you don't even know the truth from error. Bear ye one another's burdens. 
It says in verse 2, bear ye one another's burdens. It's only seven minutes to eight, so we're good, right? <laughs> if you all don't know, that clock's four, four hours off. <laughs> i got another couple hours here. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> but bear ye one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. So the Holy Ghost at His discretion, does the Holy Ghost have discretion in your life? Do you allow the Holy Ghost to have discretion and tell you, no, you can't do this. No, I don't want you to do this. I want you to go over here and do this. Does the Holy Ghost, that's not, that's a rhetorical question. That's one for you to answer to yourself. Does the Holy Ghost have discretion in your life to come and tell you that you're about to be involved in the restoration of an individual? And I want you to have, I want you to be the point man. I want you to be the main one, man or woman. And it's going to cost you some money. Now, does the Lord talk to people like that? Oh, yeah, He does. It's going to cost you money, it's going to cost you time. I heard this preacher one time said he was just asking God all kinds of questions about stuff and God didn't seem like he was answering him. And so he was on in his truck one day and he pulled into a Sonic to get something to eat. And he said he's sitting there and he's looking at this girl on skates and he went to make a judgment in his mind about her and he said the Lord told him, just shut up. She's going to come tell you some things that you need to hear. And he said he was sitting there and she came over with her little skates and her little tray and set it on the window. And he said she, she went to telling him all kinds of stuff. Answering every question he'd been asking. And then at the end of it she said, I'm sorry, was I just babbling or something? <laughs> she had no idea. But God used that vessel to speak to him and said, see, I can give you the answer when I want to. And God kind of rebuked him like, just trust me, would you? We, we want to know, don't we? We want to know all the answers. Why, God? Why am I going through this? Just trust me. If you, weren't, if, if you didn't need to be going through it, you wouldn't be. Right? So just thank God for it. Right? So God's going to send us to minister to some people that's going to cost us money, time, effort, Dot, dot, dot. He's expecting us to carry the load. That's what it means to bear one another's burdens. We get under the load with them. We put our shoulder under there and we help them carry that heavy load they're carrying. Of whatever it is. Their shortcoming. Their failure. Maybe he's sending you into your, their life because you had that same experience. You've been there. You fell. You, you were in their place at one time in your life. And so God's sending you because you'll understand what they're going through. And you'll know what it feels like to carry that burden. And so you'll, you'll be more than happy to get up under that thing with them. Kind of like getting in the yoke with Jesus, isn't it? God's going to expect you to have some skin in the game, folks. Can I say it that way? We're family. 
I want there to be more family. <laughs> I want there to be more family in here. Of all shapes, sizes, types, personalities, whatever. I want them to be in here. We don't all have to look like we just were born in Pentecost. We don't all have to look like that, okay? It's okay. God sees the heart. He's dealing with the individual. I could have really ruined the walk that that lady back there is having right now by jumping on a gun and saying stuff to her before I should have. And I thank God for a pastor that stopped me before I ruined it. Because God was dealing with her. And I needed to just shut my mouth and stay out of it and let God deal with her. Because guess what? When God dealt with her about it, it worked. Hello? (laughs) But God's going to send you into some people's life to kind of help them out. Right? I don't want to use the word mentoring, but that's kind of the idea, right? It is. Mark twelve twenty nine to 31. And Jesus answered, The first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Why was he saying this? Because these religious guys were coming to him trying to catch him again. They want to know, What's the greatest commandment, Lord? Come on, tell us the greatest commandment. So he said, Okay, here you go. So then in verse 31 it says, And the second is like, namely, like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. When Jesus told the parable of the, of the, of the guy that was robbed, beaten, left to die, what did he ask that, that young man? Who, who was your neighbor? Who's our neighbor? Our future brother out there, right? Our future sister. That doesn't... (laughs) I heard something when I went to this conference. It just blew me away. There's roughly 15,000 people between Sparta and Angelo. Roughly. And that's 15,000 people that belong to God. They just don't know it yet. Right? So if I live in that town, I could say that God has placed me over 15,000 people that just don't know they're part of the kingdom yet. So what I'm, what do I, how do I pray? God, you already know that who's supposed to be a part of your kingdom. Just send them to me or me to them. Just waiting on God. When He moves, it'll happen. God never makes a mistake. So that scripture said, fulfilling the law of Christ. That's, what I, that's why I read that scripture. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, it said, fulfilling the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So when we're restoring somebody, we're fulfilling the law of Christ. Don't you want to fulfill the law of Christ? I do. I don't want to fulfill what Vince wants. 
I want to fulfill the law of Christ. That means I got to be uncomfortable, so be it. That means I got to let him in my house, so be it. Not mine anyway. Belongs to him. I'm just a steward of it. Hallelujah. Just a steward of my money. Oops, sorry. The Lord's money. If he tells me to go spend it on coffee, spend it on coffee. I think I told you all that story about that one pastor that kept spending hundreds of dollars on coffee, reaching people in a coffee shop. Finally, the owner of the coffee shop came to him with a gift card and said, Here, you keep buying all the coffee. I'm buying the coffee now. He gave him a gift card with like $200 on it. And he said, When that one gets down close to zero, let me know. I'll give you another one. He ended up winning that guy, the owner of that coffee shop. But he, he put some skin in the game, didn't he? He started investing in the kingdom. (laughs) God tells you to invest in the kingdom. Just do it. Don't ask. Don't question. Just do it. Because you don't know what he's fixing to do on the other side of that. Just do it. No, it's not going to make sense when he tells you. Never does. He's not going to ask you to do something you can do in your human will and your flesh. He's going to ask you to do something that's way outside of of possibility in your life because he knows you can't but he knows he can through you he just wants he needs you to be faithful so he can show himself mighty verse 3 for if a man thinketh himself to be something when he's nothing he deceiveth himself we already talked about self-deception so we got to be careful why was that added in there about restoration don't don't get to thinking that I'm up here and you're and they're down there. Because the way God doesn't look at it that way. We're all standing at the 50-yard line. We're all even. We're all the same. There's no special mansions for this type of person over here and special mansions for this type of person over here. And there's just not, it's not like that. In the kingdom, we're all just a soul. Right? Don't imagine or consider or form an opinion of yourself that's not healthy for the kingdom. That doesn't mean don't have a, a, a valued opinion of yourself. I'm a child of God. I'm, I, I'm a valued member of the kingdom. But I just need to leave it right there. I need, to, I need not to be lifted up in myself. You know, puffed up and everything. It, it, it's mess when it pops. Balloon pops. Self-conceit. This is in James, Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown commentary. Verse 3. Self-conceit, the chief hindrance to forbearance and sympathy towards our fellow men, must be laid aside. Must be laid aside. So again, why did the Holy Ghost have Paul write that? Has anybody but me ever look at these scriptures like that? And say, why did he have him write that? It wasn't just Paul sitting there writing a letter. He was listening to the Holy Ghost and writing. So why did the Holy Ghost ask that question? Huh, must be because that's a problem that we can have as human beings. So he's helping us. He's telling us to avoid that. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. I think that's another scripture. Same idea. 
Don't delude yourself. Don't beguile yourself. Don't thoroughly seduce yourself. That's what the word deceive means. Don't be so deluded in your mind that you think of yourself that you're more special than God sees you. Just be a humble servant. Let God get all the glory for anything and everything you do for the kingdom. Amen? Self-deception. But let every man prove his own work. Verse 4. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Put what you are doing as part of the kingdom to the test. God, is what I'm doing pleasing in your sight? Put it to the test. Examine yourself, the Bible says, right? You decide. 2 Corinthians 13.5 Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye, not that, know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. So anything that you're doing of any value is supposed to be for the kingdom. And it's supposed to be being directed by the Holy Ghost because we're supposed to be conduits, right? We're supposed to just let it just flow through us. We're just a vessel that He's using. We're just supposed to let His Spirit just flow through us and use us however He deems necessary. To say whatever we need to say, to do whatever it is that we need to do, if we'll let the Holy Ghost lead us, it's going to work. Am I taking too long? Sorry. Hallelujah. Does what we believe or, procl- or claim to believe, what we claim to or practice or teach, line up with what the Word of God says? That's the bottom line. If I can't, if I can't back up what I'm doing or saying or teaching in the Word of God, I need to stop it. But once again, if you're being led by the Holy Ghost, how are you going to fail if the Holy Ghost is leading you what to say, what to do, where to go? How are you going to fail? Only if God lets you fail. And maybe He did that for a reason. Because He's trying to perfect us. I want to be perfected. Whatever i got to go through to be perfected, Help me learn, Jesus. Help me get the message. Help me, help me learn the lessons so I don't have to keep going through this over and over again. Last scripture. Galatians 3 and 3. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you made perfect by the flesh? We can come up with all kinds of great ideas and plans and, and not to say that there's, there's not any any value in doing outreach and 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 but we need to be asking God how do you want me to do this once again why did the holy ghost have him write that are you going to now make this perfect by your own humanity your own intellect your own ideas and not check with God and make sure that's what he wants you to do 
Amen. Let's all stand. Bottom line is, God gave us a ministry of reconciliation, of restoration. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be dirty. It's going to cost you time and money. Now, I don't know to what extent this has ministered to anybody. Only God knows that. But I believe that God has been ministering to some people in this building today. And so I'm going to give you, whoever that is, the opportunity. If you need to get along with God for a few minutes, if you need to come down to this altar, I'm going to give you the opportunity right now to do that. Because God didn't just send me here to say this just so we could say, gee, that was a nice sermon, and I'll go home and eat something. God doesn't work that way. He's always trying to reach for us, folks. He's always, when he sent the prophets in the Old Testament, he was always trying to reach for the people of God and try to get them to turn from their wicked ways. I'm not saying anybody in here is in any wicked ways. I'm just saying God is reaching down in somebody's heart and mind and spirit. God's trying to get a hold of somebody in this room. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We honor you, Jesus. Lord, your word is quick and powerful, and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, it's able to divide asunder the soul and the spirit. It's able to divide asunder of the joints and the marrow. And Father, your word is, a, is more than able, and it is a word that is able to discern the thoughts and the intents of every heart. And Lord, I believe you've been discerning the thoughts and the intents of the hearts of your people today. I believe that, God, that you've been digging down with your your scalpel and you've been doing some surgery maybe on some minds and, and hearts of some people in this room, God. Because we are living in the last days, God. We are living in a day where there's going to be a great and final harvest, God, and you're trying to get us ready. Father, you're trying to prepare us for what's coming. There's going to be souls that are going to come back, running back to this place. Oh, God, they're going to come running back to this building. They're going to come running back. Oh, God, they're going to want to be back in the family of God. There's going to be backsliders and new converts, God. There's going to be people that are going to be bringing all their mess in here with them, God, and we're going to have to love them. God, we're going to have to be that Jesus that they need to see on this earth. And we pray right now, God, I pray for everyone in this room, God, that you would help them to be that vessel, to be that light, to be that witness, to be that person that is in the ministry of restoration tonight, today. Father, I plead your blood over the people of God right now. I plead your blood over this city. Lord, as you begin to send these backsliders back, I pray that in the name of Jesus, God, that you would begin to prepare us in our own personal and private prayer time, Lord Jesus, that you would begin to speak to us, that you would begin to prepare us for what's coming, God. It's all for your kingdom. It's all for your glory, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your mighty hand and your outstretched arm today in our lives. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Lord, as we go from this place, Father, we pray that your will would be done in each and every life. Lord, that you would go with us. Lord, as you always do. Lord, you send your angels with us to encamp around about them that fear you. Father, take in... Take these as they go, Lord Jesus, and begin to speak to them, Lord Jesus. Don't let this word be stolen.
Don't let this word be taken. Don't let the enemy come in and, and tell a lie and cause them to just throw it to the side, Lord. But let this word be camped upon their hearts, Lord Jesus. Let this word begin to bring conviction, O oh God, and bring uh, us to a place, Lord Jesus, where we need to be in you. Lord, I thank you for each one that has come here today. In Jesus' name, amen. And you're dismissed. See you all on Tuesday for prayer in Jesus' name.